0: Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala, and I'm
1: Allie Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies room so we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Hello, and welcome back to the ladies room. We are here on episode three. I'm very excited. This is take two of episode three. (laughs) It is. It is. Our recording software let us down and we were on fire. It was a very good
0: recording, but we're going to do it again. And it's fat baby time during the recording. So, oh, even be very exciting.
1: Well, it was right. a really good call, but it was a really bad recording, which was sad because now the world doesn't get that conversation. It's true. I know. Well, we're going to try to recreate it. So, last time we promised to talk about something and it's not like episode one where we promised to talk about sex and then didn't talk about sex, which I totally forgot even that we did this time. We're really going to talk about what we promised. Um, which really is basically because you remembered it. I was really thankful that you're going to always remember what
0: episode we're on Cause I don't think I can manage that.
1: I'm going to have to write it down. All right. I'll just be honest. Um, Fair. all right. So we're going to talk about something that we're i'm sure we're going to talk about many many times on the podcast because it's something we're totally obsessed about um but i want to talk about how you kind of introduced this to me um in my life where this isn't something that was really very present for me before before i started talking to you which is identity this idea that we all have um, well i want you to create what identity is but first i want to create like how you do it in the world so um you are just so, I want to say obsessed, but it's more like passionate (laughs) about, I, I kind of picture like the whole world being this big ball of cookie dough, like rolled out, you know, like when you make little gingerbread people and it's all rolled out and Allie's like, no, you don't belong in the dough. Let me cut you out and show you exactly what your shape is, um, that you don't just blend into the dough in the background. And I feel like that's something that is so, and passionate isn't even the right word. There's like this fieriness to it for you. Um, And it wasn't something I was really very aware of until you and I started talking.
0: No, thank you. And I have to, of course, give credit to my mentor, Eric Dixon, who's been my coach for years, but was also, you know, 20 years before that, my high school youth pastor. And this is, so I sort of feel like, you know, in kind of a classical sense, right? Like, I'm kind of a disciple of all the teaching and all the work that he's done. And it lives in me because at a very young age um, I started thinking about people like this, but it's been such a gift because um, I've carried it, you know, through my whole life and been able to develop it. And it is um, it's a huge passion. And I joke about lighting people on fire, right? Like I want those unique things about a human being to live in the world. And I look at it like, each person has this like fingerprint of, you know, the creator like literally within them. And that the job of our life is to, you know, show that and give that to the world and to discover it. So I, I love that work and um, it's a process, right? We're, we're gonna, we continue to be becoming who we are most, I think meant to be and give our greatest contributions to the world.
1: Yeah. And it can get complicated because I feel like we're sometimes born knowing and then we unknow and then we have to know again. (laughs) It would be one thing if we were just born and we got this assignment to figure out who we are. But I think we all go through the first part where we unlearn who we really are. The world teaches us or we teach ourselves or whatever. um, And then the unlearning becomes kind of the work of the life too.
0: Yeah. And I always resist things that make me sound a little like a feminist, but I think there's really something that makes, um, in, in society, especially for women, where we learn to like mute and apologize for those things that really make us stand out. And there, there's like even more of a tempering, um, amongst women and like learning to see and discover those things doesn't seem to come, um, as naturally.
1: Yeah, like those rigid roles that were really, I mean, it's not even roles, because I think the roles for men are just as rigid, like I think the patriarchy hurts men as much as it hurts women. Um, so the roles are just as rigid, but I think our roles are also about being quiet and helpful and humble. I mean, there's nothing wrong with humility, but the way it's created inside the patriarchy is more like quiet, <laughs> shut up being not not being right. humble in, a, in a good, like, Humble humility for you means to shut your mouth and don't ever say fuck. <laughs> right, <laughs> right for sure not. You should definitely never say
0: fuck. <laughs> and I think um, I love that you said that about men and women because I don't have maybe as much access to how how men get muted in this space. But I think that um, that's the 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 difficulty inside humanity is that we all we all get muted and there's really a journey to discovering and distinguishing it.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, this would be a great place to have a man come in the ladies room, but I think they get muted more on the <laughs> relational side. Like we're expected to be almost all relational and they're expected to be almost no relational or very specific. I mean, that would drift us into a, a whole conversation, a whole, a whole podcast about that. But I think they get muted more on there. Um, like I was talking to a friend of mine uh, a week or so ago and I asked him, if his friend was in pain, a male friend, would he feel comfortable like stroking his arm or petting his hair? And he said, no, I wouldn't, even though I do that for my wife and my son. So, mm. I mean, put a pin conversation for another day, right. but they get muted more on that side. Yeah. That's um, yeah. So, uh, so you have really brought identity as something that I'm very conscious and aware of. And um, when we did this last time, you told the story about the old fish and the, and the young fish. Yes. Do you want, do you do you want, want to tell story? it since you're oh, better you want at the story? Tell it? okay. It'll <laughs> so, be better when you tell the story. <laughs> the, the old, there's young fish swimming along and an older fish comes by and says, Hey boys, how's the water today? And they look at each other and say, what the hell is water? Um, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect right? because, because go ahead. <laughs> sorry.
0: No, it's perfect because I think that that is really identity. It's so close to us that we we can't even see it like it's just like the air we breathe and we really have to distinguish identity and community like I don't think anybody sitting by themselves on a yoga mat like discovers everything about who they are we need to reflect those um, facets of ourselves inside of community we need somebody to go like Lynn you're um, a great storyteller, right? We need somebody, like I was listening to Brene Brown one day when I was walking down the streets of Italy and I called Lynn and I was like, oh my gosh, like my best friend is like Brene Brown. Like you have a gift for storytelling. And I was like, I'm hearing, you know, the same thing. I didn't know this was like a profession. And then, you know, that kind of got to get
1: distinguished. It was just like everyday stuff for you before that. Yeah, and it's like the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me that, you tell stories the way Brene Brown does. Cause I adore her, love her. Um, and you were also the one who introduced me to the Gallup Strengths Finder, which is one of our obsessions. And when I, that was a revelation to me because when I took that and I recommend everyone take it and I don't like the name strengths because it makes it seem like, as opposed to weaknesses, I think it's more like finding your preferences or the way you really like and enjoy working. Um, but when I read my profile, I was like, oh my gosh, Not only number one, does this sound exactly like me, but number two, I thought everybody was like this. I thought everybody walked around with ideas falling out of their ears and couldn't stop having ideas all the time. I didn't know that was special. (laughs) Um, Right. And I've actually been bringing that to my family. We were, um, we were doing parent teacher conferences a few, few months ago, time runs together because of COVID, but I think it was a few months ago and (laughs) my daughter, um, she's 12 and her art teacher said that she connects her emotions to her art that in a way that's not true for 90% of the people. And after it was over, I I had to explain to Riley percentile because she didn't understand what it was. (laughs) And I said, did did you hear her say that? And did you know that's not, that's not something everyone has. And she smiled and she kind of dropped her head. And she said, I thought everyone was like that. I didn't know that was special about me. Um, And it was such a great, and I just love that the teacher said that to her, just reached out and, you know, traced a little line. It it felt almost like, you know, running her thumb across her, her face and going, this is where you are. This is who you are. Um, And it was so beautiful because she didn't know that she thought everybody could just put their emotions into art. No big, no big deal. Right. Yeah. It's such a positive. I mean,
0: really like strength. I, I love the word strengths, but I love the idea of like focus based, especially leadership around what exists on our teams and within us individually that we love to contribute and that it comes naturally and that we, how we want to go about our work. And instead of focusing on all the things that we're not, and in leadership, often people try to imitate you and worse, you know, I'll tell myself, like I, I used to think um, before doing this work with my coach that everyone, when they kind of got like fixed, was going to be really a lot like me. And, um, at the time, you know, a a friend who I work with, um, you know, has empathy as one of her top strengths. And I had done an emotional intelligence test that showed I was like barely functional for empathy. And, um, you know, it took me like years, you know, really of just like really intense work, discovering it. But in that process, like I really learned, oh, when she gets like quote fixed, like when she's her best self, um, she's gonna be totally uniquely her and not very many of the th- same things I am uniquely. And it was, you know, laughably at the time now, like a huge revelation um, about starting to hold space for that individuality and what it what it really looks like. Um, you know, on the court in a way that was really new for me.
1: Right. And not only, not only that she wouldn't be exactly like you, but that it's, it's undesirable that she become like you. Because one, we already have one of you. And (laughs) number two, she would be faking it. it, She would be just as muted and suppressed if she tried to turn herself into you. Right. As she would any other, you know, what we were just talking about with the patriarchy. Um, And also it, it, it helped you value empathy more. Um, yeah, which was, yeah, right. Funny. That was
0: such a good distinction, right? You're going yeah. to tell and the other story about empathy.
1: So when you were first discovering about empathy, you couldn't even make sense of what it was. Like you couldn't even understand what it was, let like, alone what's value the point it. Of this. Yeah. yeah. And also you said, I hate it. Um, and I can still remember talking to you about it. I can remember where I was in my car driving hands-free of course. Um, <laughs> talking to you about it and kind of laughing while you were thrashing and flailing all around, like empathy is so dumb. And it's, you know, what's the point of it? And I said, you love when I give you empathy. And that's what was so funny is, I mean, everyone does, right. But you, you love it. I was giving you empathy all the time and you, you couldn't even recognize it. So you didn't even know. And empathy right. isn't one of my high ones, right? I'm, I'm only empathetic really compared to you, I guess, guess <laughs> later is really high for me. So it's fine. Um, and my first emotional intelligence, I was barely functional on almost any, any dimension. So we can talk about that another time. Um, but, but the real thing there was to distinguish between empathy and sympathy. And we were talking a minute ago about Brene Brown and she has an excellent, there's a a little clip of a talk she did and someone turned it into an animated cartoon and it's really cute um, and funny because she's super funny always. Um, Explaining the difference between some sympathy and empathy. And sympathy really is very icky because there's kind of a condescension to it, like, oh, right. poor you, they're there. You know, I'm so glad I'm not over there with you. Whereas empathy is getting over with the other person. It's kind of a divergence, but it it points to what we're saying is like as you learn to value her, you valued her gifts more, and vice versa, as you valued the gift more, then you valued her even more. Like, oh, this is good. We need. We need high empathy people, just like we need high idea people and high activator people. Like we need everyone. Um, No, it's so, it's so good. And as a leader, it's so,
0: I mean, I think every leader should, you know, immediately, if not sooner use strengths-based leadership from that perspective. And it gives so much freedom Because a lot of times the people around you will be great at things that you suck at and don't want to do. And when you can really distinguish like, oh, that person loves harmony and they love including people. And I really don't care about that, but I could give them that as like a job um, and they'll be super happy and everyone will be happier working together because um, that's actually valued and held up inside of, I don't have to carry all of it. And it's really beautiful. People just love, just love strength. So, I mean, we're both huge proponents of it. Um, but recently,
1: we. So oh, let me say, strength, before, oh, go ahead. Before we switch, uh, before we switch over to the next thing, because we've added a new texture and dimension to it. Um, I want to tell, I want to tell the husband story. Okay, perfect. Like she's been dying for us. She said, "Let's tell the husband story on the podcast." Like it needs to fit. So what we've been pointing to, but now we're getting even more conscious with this mix-in we're about to talk about is really valuing people for their strengths. I mean, you kind of pointed to it a minute ago um, when you said that your friend wasn't going to become just like you, but learning to say, you know, this, this person, their identity also points to the way we value them, not necessarily Mm -hmm. for what they do. I don't want that misunderstanding to come in there, but um, that like, oh, this person has these gifts and these gifts are really valuable, even if they're not my gifts. And even if I don't understand their gifts um, and that that's a two-sided coin too. So you and I are married essentially to the same person um, right. that we're, I mean, I'm about 20 years in and you're a year in, although we say what in COVID years, how many is it? 10, seven, I mean at least, at least seven, absolutely. at least seven in COVID years, you guys got married what two months before the lockdown, maybe yeah Um, January 4th. Yeah. So that's been (laughs) a long year. Um, But the guys we're married to are very stable. I mean, just like rock solid stable. And that's something that I know I really value in my husband. I know you value in your husband because we are not that we're out there and inventing and adventuring and trying Light stuff out and fire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Banging things together to see what will happen and make explosions. And we really need that stability. Um, I remember one time we took, uh, Eric and I took this, like, get to know your partner. How well do you know your partner quiz? Like your partner has last meal. What are they picking? And you know, his is Dorito and Doritos wings and IPA. Right. I know that. Mm-hmm. And one right. of them was, um, your partner is, you know downstairs doing something what are they doing kind of pointing to their hobbies <laughs> right. and when i read that question for myself i'm like i don't know that i could answer this consistently for more than about six months at a time and the answer he wrote was whatever is the current bee in her bonnet <laughs> so, <laughs> so he knows me and and that's who i am right i'm just like flip flip flip, flip. not flaky but just always obsessed with something new right but, but that comes with and when you were dating um, I was actually encouraging you, like, you need to find a guy like this, this, this guy she was kind be- of
0: curating, you know, <laughs> my dating experience. So because I thought I was a wanted to marry somebody very, like, similar to me, entrepreneurial, and like, really, um, like, kind of intense. And I didn't have this perspective. And for me, like, I like inside of like, you know, being a warrior, you know, like a warrior mom and getting my heart broken. Like I had this realization of like, I can get, I can go out and fight, any battle I want. I can take on anything I want to, and I can get as bruised and banged up as you could get. And he won't be like, why did you get your arm chopped off? He'll just be like, here, here, like we'll make it better. And he can hold me steady and hold space for healing and all those things because he's so consistent. And so, I mean, he's amazing, obviously, but it was really learning to value something in a new way that allowed a relationship.
1: Yeah. So then the conversation we had the other day, because as I mentioned, I have almost 20 years experience being married to this man and you have one, it's not the same guy in case anybody's wondering, We're (laughs) we're not in some kind of weird thing, but, um, no. And they're the same wildly way. different, right? Like, yeah, they're very similar superheroes in hockey. Right. They both yeah. like beer. Yeah. So, um, I, there was a conflict not even a conflict, but something that was just like an irritant, a newlywed irritant. And I was like, you know, I'm going to have to sit her down with 20 years experience being <laughs> married to one of these guys and say, listen, this is a 360 degree deal that you get all this stability and then on the other side, they just don't really get that excited and about anything. Um, and at the time you were trying to get him excited about something and you were a little frustrated because you could see he was excited about hockey and dragons hockey. and Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I said, the thing about our guys is you mistake their ability to get excited for the ability for us to get them excited about something that they're not already excited about. Um, And then we laughed about it and it helped you get clear, right? Like, oh, he's just being this guy I love. It's 360 degree value of who he is, right? He's right. And in fairness,
0: you had to like repeat that maybe six or seven times in our (laughs) conversation before it kind of sunk (laughs) in.
1: Like, no, why isn't he excited about this thing? Because he's not. But he gets so excited about Batman. I'm like, yeah, because he's decided Batman is exciting. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right. Or me. Like, he can get really excited about me, supporting me, you know, any number of things. But if I bring him something to get excited about, it's not likely to get on the radar. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's that's a good distinction because he is excited about supporting you in general. But any specific thing that you're excited about, he's like, that's nice. Which is perfect. (laughs) Right. Right. Because you want that stability and, and it really is, you know, drawing a line to it's, it's all sides. It's both sides of the coin, right? These guys are really stable and that means they're really stable. They don't really change their minds very much. They don't really squirrel off and run after things like you and I do like, Ooh, obsession. Ooh, obsession. I mean, there's things I was obsessed about five years ago that I've invested thousands of dollars in that I don't even do anymore. Yeah. Whereas if Eric had started doing it with me, he'd probably still be doing it. I'd be like, oh, are you still doing that thing? You know, right. extreme cross-country skiing on a zip line. Oh, I'm so over that now. Not that that's <laughs> something either of us would ever be into, but <laughs> once once he's enrolled, he he does it forever. Um, yeah. So it is getting into the conversation of really valuing the whole person. Like you, you can't pick and choose. You can't have a buffet because no one has everything, right? right? Like people who get excited and, and generate new stuff all the time, aren't the most stable people and vice versa, because that would mean that one person holds all the gifts and right. that's, and then that we really need the community,
0: right. But it's fair, right. To stop, to start looking at, and we, we have always talked about how often women will expect to source like everything they need relationally in a marriage. And like, that can't happen, right? Like you have to source some things in your, in different relationships. And like, that's needed. Like we always joke about how thankful our husbands are for how much we talk to each other, because
1: neither of them could really stand that much talking. And not even that much listening, (laughs) Fair, (laughs) let (laughs) alone that much talking. Um, You know, it's just when Eric and I got our matching tattoos, we have the same tattoo. It's like a wedding tattoo. And um, I, I went first and he came in and the woman said, what do you think? And he went, oh, and he walked out and she was mortified. She's like, Oh my gosh, he hates it. Is he going to want his now? Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? I said, no, he likes it. And she like, right. Well, but he didn't say, I know. I said, trust me. He likes it. And then when he got his, he just sat for three hours and he didn't make a sound eating a sucker. And then he was you know, happy with his, you know, right. kicking his feet like a little kid. Um, cause that's just how he reacts except for if it's, you know, um, the three stooges or a family guy or something that I don't find or a car thing right. or what
0: or something to do with his car.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And something to do with that. his car. So, um, I mean, I don't want anyone to think we're having a go at these guys. We adore our husbands. They're amazing. amazing. Um, but it's, it's recognizing number one, the value and the identity is a 360 degree deal. You get it all. And also no one has everything. Um, So now we can talk about the new thing that we're obsessed with, because this is, this has really brought, I think for me, I mean, I knew with the strengths finder, um, and when I gave the strengths finder to my most recent team, that was like a revelation, like, oh, I always send this person in to do this thing. And I always feel a little bad because I wouldn't want to do that, but I did his strengths finder and realized, oh, he enjoys that. So I'm going to keep asking him to do it, but now I'm going to stop feeling guilty about it. Um, But now we have this new thing that I think really does draw a super firm line around no one has all the gifts um, and really encouraging us to completely value each other and that it really does take more than one. Oh, I was about to say the C word again. This time it's community. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, It really does take community to get stuff done, which, oh, that makes me as much as you hate empathy. I'm like, oh, why? Why community? it'll be my evolution on this podcast. You guys can watch me learn to (laughs) redefine and embrace community because where I have it right now is cereal box crafts in a church basement. And it's not great. (laughs) Anyway, so talk about the new thing that we're totally obsessed with that we're, we're starting to mix in with strengths.
0: All right. Awesome. So first I want to make a little, just a distinction between the two strengths is a super mature, um, you know, established kind of tool. It's been around for years and years. There's books and books and books, um, you know, tons of resources that's available in so many languages. I've used it, you know, around the world. And um, it's, it's just a very, very mature tool. So this, and it's really about how you like to go about your work. So um, it, you could have completely different strengths and go about your work. And get to the same place so for example i have um empathy and includer and harmony in like my bottom of the 34 strengths and i have like strategic and activator and belief in my top strengths so i could create anything with without with whatever disparity right but inside i like i could use strategy to create harmony like i but I wouldn't be happy just creating harmony for its own sake. And so you can approach your work in your strengths, whatever your work is.
1: Right. Like Um, you could create a class called pretending to care.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't really care about your Monday.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pretending to care Um, as a, as team strategy.
0: Right. Right. And I could get really all about it inside my belief of how valuable that is or whatever. But um, the, genius assessment I came across at the beginning of this year. And sometimes I just land on something and I'm like, I, this is gold, but it also points to how Lynn and I work super well together because, you know, whenever we have a treasure, we have to take it into our friendship. Um, and then, you know, kind of flesh it out, but we're doing something really different with it than even the table group, which created it, um, is doing so genius is um, working genius.
1: I think that's really key,
0: working genius. I mean, I'm not calling it the galvanized assessment. You can (laughs) give me a gold star for that, but we'll get to that in a second. I'll tell you, I'll I'll make fun of you later about that. Perfect. (laughs) So genius is this, so it's um, a Patrick Liccioni tool and his Mm -hmm. premise is that there's only six. So it's really easy to interact with because you don't have to remember 34 things too, but um, inside of it's about the process that teams work together. So strengths really individual, easy to bring to team, but this is really about all the things that need to be sourced to get something done. And the, his premise is that you have naturally two that you're really good at. They're in your genius. You have naturally two that you're kind of competent at and two that are in your area of frustration. And they're also really about energy. So Um, it's like a coffee cup. If you have a thermos, um, and you pour, you know, you're using your genius, you can keep heat for days. Right. But if you were in your competencies, it would be like a paper coffee cup where like you can do it. It'll stay hot, but not indefinitely. Eventually it'll just be cold. Um, and then your areas of frustration, it's like pouring, um, you know, coffee into a cup that has no bottom, right. It's going to spill out the heat's going to be gone in two seconds. And it's really, what we found is it's really true and people aren't used to interacting with their work, um, with their work this way. So should we talk about like how the six genius fit together and that yeah. kind of stuff?
1: Yeah. Talk about okay. what the six are, because it really does tie back to the conversation we were having earlier too, where there are ones that didn't make sense to us at all. And there's a couple that we still don't really get because they're not ours. Um, Right.
0: We're still fleshing out like, what does this really mean? And especially how do we use it in a team? So imagine these each are like a gear. which if you do the assessment, like it'll, you'll get a picture of these gears. But the first one is, um, wonder and wonder, you describe wonder so perfectly, will you?
1: So wonder is, wonder is the one that is kind of the, um, the unsung genius, because it usually happens off stage before a team is assembled, because the working genius is all about how a team gets results. Um, And wondering usually happens before the team even assembles. And so a lot of times it's not recognized or even valued. And that's the person just asking the questions like, why is this like this? Or what if we could, or I wonder if, I mean, they actually say, I wonder all the time. I wonder if... um, You know, like Elon Musk, I don't know if he has wonder in his top, but, um, sitting in traffic in LA, um, asking like, why does this suck so bad? Why do I have to sit in traffic and then inventing, which is the next one, um, a potential solution for that. But they're the people who look around and they kind of see the, the what's missing in the world or how something could be transformed or how something could be, um, could be made better or different or, you know, the gaps. Um, right, They think into that space where
0: literally nothing necessarily exists. Right.
1: And um, by, by the time a team assembles, usually the wondering is done. And so it, it's kind of the invisible genius. Um, and we had someone on the team. We, we've been doing like a little pilot program um, with this that she has wonder in her top. And it's something that she's always kind of felt guilty about or been made wrong for. Um, and when we distinguished it and kind of, like I was saying with Riley's art teacher kind of traced our finger along her face and said, this is you. Um, it was like this huge gift for her, like a relief, like a gift. Yeah, Even though I,
0: right. I mean, even though I super value individuality and strengths, like my experience of this woman prior to this was that she was really flaky and, um, that I couldn't like get her to do stuff the, like necessarily, like it was just like this weird, I couldn't quite hold, hold her in a way that was really empowering. And once we added this, um, I was like, huh, look at that. Like, she's not flaky, she's just really good at one thing at the beginning of the process and one thing at the end. And when we bring teams together, she's um, such a huge contribution, she has a lot to add and she's showing up in a way that, you know, is like so fun and delightful. And I think that's part of what makes this so great, right? We all really get to work together.
1: Yeah. She's the what if person. Yeah. 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 So create Um, the next ones. And then we'll talk about when, when things show up in the wrong time. Okay.
0: So we have wonder followed by invention, and those are part of the ideation phase. So they're the, all the, you know, just kind of getting things, you know, invented and created. Um, and then the next stage is the next two are discernment and then galvanizing. So discernment is what it sounds like. People who can just kind of know inherently, like this is a good move. That's not, um, this could be used, but it needs to be tweaked beforehand, that kind of stuff. And then your galvanizers are your people who start the process of getting it done really. So the middle stage is, um, Oh shoot. When I'm drawing a blank wonder or ideation, the middle stage is so uh,
1: activation is uh, discernment and galvanize is the activation stage. So the first stage okay, is perfect. ideation, wonder, invention, and then um, discernment galvanizes the activation stage. So those stuff really in the middle.
0: Yeah. It starts live. So I love to think about the, the end, um, the letters spelled G E T, which is like time to get shit done. Like, over in the beginning part of the process, there's not usually anything actually happening. Um, it's getting created, but in the, in the bottom part is like where we start galvanizing, which is like here's what there is to do, getting everybody excited about getting going and then enablement and tenacity are the last two and um, we have been the, these are two we've struggled with a little bit because they're both they're in our bottom right um, for Lynn and I, but we are starting to really you know, get our fingers on them, but enablement people love to help. And I think for us, it's really hard to imagine that those people exist, right? Right, right. Because I don't want to help. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I don't want to work on your project.
1: Yeah. I just want (laughs) to have, um, uh, you were saying it's Pat lincioni and I was listening to one of his podcasts and he and I have the same two at the top, invention and discernment. And he said, my dream job is to go sit in that conference room. And every 30 minutes, a different team comes to me with a problem. And I solve their problem and send them on their way. And everyone at the table was laughing like, yep. And no follow-up. And I never want to hear how it turned out. I'm like, <laughs> yes, where do I get that job? Like, I just want to yeah. tell you, solve your problem, send you out, get out of here. I never want to talk to you again. <laughs> right. Um, and it might be the best use of your strengths, but also
0: all the other things need to be sourced. Right. Right. Um so enablement people really want to come alongside. They don't want to invent it. They don't want to, you know, figure out how to get it implemented. They want to just sign up for getting underneath it. And then tenacity, um, they really care about finishing and completing um, whatever it is. And they care especially about like the result in the in the world. So they're not happy with like open loops. So your tenacity people are, you know, if they worked with you on a project and then you know, you weren't working together, they're still coming back and going, you know, how did it end? Because they really care about that piece of it. And so you can see how the whole process fits together where you need all of it. And, um, you know, my begin, so my top two are um, galvanize and then discern. And for me, it was such a powerful, when this, when this Distinction showed up in my life. It was so powerful because inside of my um, work with doTERRA, I've been really kind of just bored. Um, I haven't known what to do. I haven't. And, when, and once I looked and saw this, I realized like, oh, that's because there's not any wonder and in inventing happening for me to discern and galvanize the people about.
1: Right. So each phase feeds the next phase. So right. um, like wonderers ask questions, inventors answer them discerners figure out which are the best answers and then galvanizers get everyone going around the answers and then enablement and tenacity I don't know they do the stuff (laughs) that's the
0: one that's (laughs) they support they execute yeah they (laughs) They execute like that stuff I don't care about
1: um but and it's so so interesting too because this also has really brought to our our attention like okay valuing people for where they are um because wonder is in your bottom. And you were just like, what is this garbage thing? Um, I was like, what is even the point of this? (laughs) I really (laughs) couldn't quite see it. Yeah. And you were so obsessed with galvanizing at first for months you couldn't even remember the name of this test, the, the working genius assessment. You just called it the galvanized thing. And I would tease her so much. I'd say, yeah, it's when we described it to people. Yeah. It's how you find out whether you're a galvanizer (laughs) or how you live the rest of your pathetic life, having one of the other things that's not as cool as galvanizing.
0: (laughs) And I, it was so bad. Like I would sit at my desk wanting to pull up my email or the website. And I, I like would sit there for whole minutes, just even trying to remember (laughs) the name of it. But that's kind of the delicious part when you're really starting to distinguish, oh, this is unique. Like I knew I was a catalyst, but I, I, even all the, I mean, I've done so much work around this compared to the average person, but I still didn't get like, oh, in the process of working, um, this is what I, what I'm happiest focusing on. And like, that's, an important part of how we're executing things as a team. And it was just delicious.
1: So, yeah. And when we were talking to um, two stories about how this is already showing up and the people were workshopping it with the woman, we were just talking about who has wonder um, we did a work block together. And she said, I just realized like in our whole relationship, because we've worked together a bunch. Um, she said, I ask questions and you answer them. And we <laughs> laughed because that's wonder and invention showing up. Like she asked something and then I make up an answer. Um, and I said, and also I have discernment. So usually it's a pretty good answer, um, especially about someone else's question. So we were kind of laughing that we had already tapped into this without even knowing it, but without recognizing wonder as a strength that could have been, or as a genius, I mean, um, that could have been like a, like, I'm helping her or mentoring or whatever, when really we're both showing up inside our two strengths. Um, And then the other thing that happened just today, we, we were working with another woman and she, she actually works as um, a virtual assistant for me. She's my VA. Um, And she has enablement and tenacity as her top two, which wasn't a surprise to us because that's a VA job is perfect for her. Like she loves to, you know, come alongside and help and finish. Um, And she's been really great to work with for me. Um, because I don't like to finish things. I would rather just brainstorm all day. Um, (laughs) but what was so interesting for me is invention ended up in her bottom. It's her area of frustration. And I said that I was telling her and you, um, that is really valuable for me to know because we meet every week to talk about what tasking I have for her. And I always offer her an opportunity to have some ideas because I hate (laughs) it when people don't, do that to me when they come to me and just say, let's do this. And I don't have any opportunity to invent or discern what's happening. Like it makes me crazy. Um, And so I'm offering it like almost like a a cat giving you a dead mouse. Like here is this lovely gift. This is what I want. And then she's on the other end going, I don't really want a dead mouse, but okay. (laughs) So, So now I know, oh, I've been offering her those opportunities to weigh in and have her ideas. And it's actually an area of frustration for her. She doesn't even want that. It's just wasting our time. But I'm doing it inside. This is what I would want someone to give to me. So she we were both laughing and she's like, Yeah, you can just not ever ask me to do that. It's fine. (laughs) I said, Oh, good. Let's get that part. Yeah. And also not only did she not miss it, she doesn't even want it. It's like a negative. It is, it is the cat offering the dead mouse. Like, I think I've right, got it's like something. an area of frustration. Do I yeah, have to use yeah. my
0: energy for that? Do I really right.
1: have to have ideas with you? Um, and it's just so great to know because it just frees us both up to appreciate who we are together and right. not worry about stepping on each other's toes and all these other things. Like it, it removed a big, um, time waster from our working yeah. relationship. I love it. So let me share a little bit about how we're using this non-traditionally.
0: Um, So we, I mean, we're um, solopreneurs essentially, right? And we have a lot of experience on non-traditional teams, whether that's in um, how our businesses have been structured or nonprofit work or, you know, whatever that looks like we have. And so, you know, they're still learning it, right? They're The people who created it are still writing the book. There's like 13 podcasts or something about it Um, and they're still discovering it but we, and and they're doing it inside of corporate teams typically, which if you bring a bunch of people together, it's so helpful to look like what things might be missing on our team. You start to develop a language about it, but we were really interested in how as an individual entrepreneur, I have to be responsible for all of it from wonder, which I didn't even know what it was all the way through tenacity. And I stand with whatever my gifting is. And I have to be we're not. I don't have to do it, but I'm still responsible for sourcing um, all of it or anything any of us does doesn't live in the world. And that has been, I mean, like magic. It's been so interesting to bring those pieces into some of the things we're experimenting with and watching people intentionally give work that they love into and sharing collaboratively Um, it's been just
1: crazy powerful and yeah. And the innovative um, part is like the innovative part is a corporate team is already working towards a common goal. Usually, um, assuming it's a functional team and they're not backstabbing, right. but we're, (laughs) we're experimenting with bringing people together where we each have our own, like I have goals in my business, you have goals in your business and the other people also. And we have some stuff in common, but we mostly are working towards our own results. So how do we source that cooperatively and collaboratively where we're taking ownership of each other's results also are taking not ownership, it's the wrong word, but you know, buying into, yeah, I'm going to help you achieve that by bringing my gift. And in exchange, you bring your genius to me. Um, it's been really interesting. It's still, I mean, we can't report how it's going because it's still going, but so far right, we're still been, in like this early yeah. stage. Yeah.
0: And I have no doubt bringing this to a corporate team, looking at it in family is super helpful, but it's been very, very interesting bringing it to this idea of entrepreneurship because I want entrepreneurs to thrive. I think super small business and entrepreneurship is often like the beginning of some of the best innovation that happens. And I think we desperately need that. So if we don't learn to foster and bring um, some of the pieces that you get in a corporate environment into our businesses as small, you know, small, very small businesses or solopreneurs, we, we will struggle to, to thrive in the same
1: way. And so it's beautiful. Yeah. Because usually you can't afford to hire it out early in. Right. And even even if you could
0: just hire it all out, it doesn't live even the same way as allowing people to really give. If you give in a place where it keeps the energy hot, most of your work time, it's really powerful.
1: Yeah, Do you want to yeah. talk about
0: reaching for the back, the middle pedals a little
1: bit? Because I think that's um, an
0: important thing that we've been adding yeah, since we yeah. talked about so, strengths.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about um, when it shows up at the wrong time and then also reaching for the back pedal. So I mentioned a minute ago that All of these genius when they show up at the wrong time, they can always be frustrating. Someone like Ali was talking about how she doesn't have wonder, and so anytime wonder presented to her, it was frustrating because she didn't understand or distinguish or value it prior to this. But they like if I'm putting the
0: dishes away, I don't want somebody to go. I wonder if the fork should go there. I'm like, stop. I'm just trying to tenacity
1: to be the dishes that's showing up at the wrong time so there's two things one is it just frustrated you because it was your area of frustration and then two is it's frustrating when they show up at the wrong time like if we're about to send someone's birthday gift and we're packaging it and putting it in the mail you don't want someone wonder to say i wonder if they would have liked the blue sweater better than this one like no shut up it's one it's too late for wonder (laughs) right um and i've noticed this about myself too that um I love to make stuff. I love to invent. And so I can think back through my professional career, many meetings where I've been, where I just start making something in the middle of a meeting, just because it's, what's interesting to me. And then realize (laughs) Oh wait, no, it's not time to create something's already been made. And now we have to execute on it. I know that part is boring, but it's time to, (laughs) you know, keep rather than infinitely tinkering. Um, and then the back pedal, um, we've been talking a lot about the genius and the frustrations, but there's the middle ones are your competencies where you can work. And that one can be really tricky because like, for me, I have um, galvanized in my competency and in my career, I've made a lot of money galvanizing. Like People love to pay me to galvanize. um, And I can, but it wears me out over a long enough time. It's like that regular coffee cup. Right. But what we've discovered in this is those tend to be the areas where if you reach for them to support your genius, it's not quite as draining. So um, like for me, I, I have invention and discernment. If I reach for galvanizing to get people excited about an idea and kind of get them turned and pointed and working, I can reach for it there because I'm like, I really want this idea to go forward. And also I don't want to be part of the enablement and tenacity part. So if I can galvanize this group and get them going, then I get the result produced. So reaching for them as a way that supports your main genius. I think my opinion, it hasn't been tested out, um, makes them a little less draining because you're, you're coming from that strength. What was yours that we said that to support galvanize? Um, I mean, I don't know. Your I third was going to bring it up your, oh, your oh. invention, your invention. Yeah. Your invention right. is your third. And so when you reach for, if, if you're trying to figure out how to galvanize someone, you can reach for your invention. I get real creative in support. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Cause you've said before, I don't have any original ideas, which I still say isn't true, but your ideas tend to happen inside galvanizing. Like you'll have all the pieces you're more like macgyver right you're not inventing a new machine you're looking at what you have and like how can i build a rocket to strap to someone's back from what i currently have that's how invention shows up for you in support of your galvanizing and then you get really creative
0: no it's true and we you know one of the first things you discerned was also the bringing in strengths there right like my one of my top strengths is strategy so i get really good at inventing in, in, it, especially if it's a coming up with strategy around something I really care about, like business plans or something like that. But if I had to, you know, use that around like harmony, you know, it would be really difficult. Cause I'm like, I, I can't bet anything around harmony. So it actually probably even pull it into my areas of frustration um, unless I could connect it with those other pieces. So looking at genius and strengths really starts to add a lot of, um, space where like, not all work is created equal. We can really love what we're doing and we can share and collaborate
1: those giftings in a way that's incredibly powerful. Right. And to, to tie back to the beginning, as we wrap it up, um, when you really do help people tap into their identity, you can actually watch it, give them life, like Riley smiling and dropping her chin down, like, you know, yeah. just, just really feel, you could tell she just really felt it. And when we acknowledge people's Value and their strengths and their genius as part of their identity. Not only is not all work created equal. Like you can literally be a life giver um, in a way that that the energy just becomes almost perpetual at that point because they're just so full of themselves. And I don't mean full of themselves in a negative way, but they're <laughs> right. like so filled up. They're becoming more and more their natural shape, um, and that just like that feels good. It's like a piece of your, like your favorite t-shirt that just fits you perfectly. Yeah. Coming um, home you just, to yourself. Yeah. You feel good. You move around. Yeah. Coming home to yourself. Um, so that's a great place to end. Yeah, I think it's great. Well, let me galvanize everybody a tiny bit, you know, yeah. take on, take
0: on, if you want to take on working genius, like go take the assessment, um, go to workinggenius.com but the best place is discover it in community. So get some people to take it with you and then use it until it becomes a language. So you're using it. um, like I need you to come wonder with me. I need, let's all, let's galvanize this. Let's enable this. Like that's when it really starts to live when you've really been able to uh, stay in the work of it until you can really flesh it out in community. So you'll get a ton of value if you use it like that.
1: Yeah. And we'll put those links. We'll put links to all that stuff in the show notes too. All right. Awesome. All right. Thanks Thanks so much. so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies room. You can also find Lynn at A Spacious Life on Facebook, Instagram, and in Clubhouse. And find Allie at 5 Billion Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram.